Those of you who worship with us regularly or you join us on our live stream broadcast Sunday morning, you will know we have been steadily working our way through the New Testament book of Acts. And you are educated enough in biblical studies to know, of course, that the book of Acts is a follow-up to Luke's gospel. So Luke wrote both his gospel and his uh, prequel is, of course, the book of Acts. And so we've entitled it Encore, Acts for 2022. And we come this morning to chapter 15 at the end of the chapter, verses 36 to 40. And the passage intentionally focuses on how to deal with difficult and messy situations that we sometimes find ourselves in when it comes to growing in our faith. And on a Sunday morning, we will often say, our faith must equip us, influence us, and impact our lives as we seek to live our faith out day by day. And those are some of the major themes we're going to find in our passage this morning. So if you have your Bible, let's turn to Acts 15, 36 through 40, and page 1720 in the church Bible. Luke begins. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul took Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Amen, and we trust that God will bless to us this reading from his holy word. From time to time, people in the congregation and those watching on our live stream broadcast will send me various emails, some of them humorous, some that they think humorous and I don't, uh, some that I think humorous and you don't. And so this morning, let me share with you one that came in recently. And it's a good introduction to the themes of our passage this morning. And it reads like this. A wife calls to her husband from another room. Honey... Do you ever have a sharp stabbing pain in your back like someone is stabbing one of those voodoo dolls? Her husband responds, no. His wife says, how about now? (laughs) And of course we see that and we smile because we know the fun involved in married life. But sometimes in close relationships, whether it be with a son or a daughter, Sometimes husband and wife, sometimes colleagues at work. There can be relationships that fracture and turn sour. And how does our faith impact our response? What do we do when a debate or a discussion gets so heated that we end up wounding someone else or sometimes they wound us? How does our faith speak into such a situation? And that's exactly what we're about to see this morning. 
Because we know this, that having been touched by the love and grace of God, living out our faith is never easy. It demands of us commitment and dedication, prayerful and careful thought. And in growing and maturing in our faith, God will often use situations that we face to refine us and make us more Christ-like. Because we know in our own experience, and certainly scripture teaches this, there is no such thing as an instantly mature Christian. Someone who is intellectually astute, morally flawless, spiritually wise. A model of faithful obedience and uninhibited faith. Those attributes do not come overnight. It takes time. It takes work. As God begins to shape and fashion us and make us more Christ-like. But he also asks us to step up in loving obedience and to follow Christ. And so this morning we see all of that captured and contained in this passage of Scripture. And so as we begin, we look at Acts 15 verse 36 and we read, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And of course, as we read this, we're asking ourselves, Why did Luke add this into the end of chapter 15. And he added it in there to show us what the rest of Scripture teaches. That there is no such thing as perfect people. People who always get it right. And from Genesis all the way to Revelation, not only do we see the refining hand of God at work, but whenever we come across an individual in Scripture, Scripture never paints them as perfect God never airbrushes out the blemishes and sin. But he shows us the raw reality of living out our faith day by day. And sometimes it can be really messy, difficult, challenging. And that's exactly what we're going to see here. And we know from our own experience of human tendencies that sometimes we as individuals and Now, I know you never have this, but I have this problem. Stubbornness, selfishness, impatience. Do you recognize those things? Of course. And when Paul and Barnabas enter into a discussion, it becomes heated and fractious. Now, let me give you a little more background to Barnabas. We know a great deal about Paul, not so much about Barnabas. When the Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 9, had that mighty, overwhelming, transforming experience with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus, and he was never the same again. When he ultimately traveled to Jerusalem to engage with the disciples and the apostles, they were scared. And they were scared that this man, Saul of Tarsus, had not changed They thought it was some kind of trick or ploy in order to find out where they lived. Then he would arrest them and then put them in prison because that's what he was known for doing. And it was Barnabas. And Barnabas, the name, as you know, means son of encouragement. And it was Barnabas that stepped forward, befriended Paul, engaged with him, listened to his heartbeat, 
heard him tell the story of what it meant to meet the risen Christ, have his life transformed. And then Barnabas introduced him to the other apostles. He made the first move. He made the introduction. And on the basis of what Barnabas was saying, the others accepted Saul, whom, as you know, became Paul. And they became very close friends. They, as Acts tell us, were involved in what's called Paul's first missionary journey. They traveled together. They worked together. They established congregations in a variety of towns around Asia Minor. They were close friends. They were genuine, credible in that friendship. They were godly individuals. And yet... A sharp dispute arises. And the question is, how do we respond when tension creeps into a marriage? When a toxic relationship bubbles up at work? Difficulty with neighbours? Or a son or a daughter? Or a mom or a dad? One party sees it one way, another another. What does this passage have to teach us that will speak into all that's going on here. Well, the first thing to notice is this, that John, also called John Mark, he was probably in his mid-twenties. His parents owned a fairly large house in Jerusalem, and that's where many of the first disciples gathered to pray. And we saw it, in fact, in Acts chapter 12, when we were there several weeks ago. And John Mark accompanied Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. But at one point, and we don't know the details, John Mark said, I've had enough, and he left and went back home. And so with that background, when Paul says to Barnabas, let us go back to the churches we founded, encourage them, pray for them, serve them in any way we can, Paul then adds, but I don't want to take John Mark. And I don't want to take John Mark for this reason. I need someone who's dependable. I need someone I can count on. I need someone, when I give them a task, we know they will do that task from the beginning to the very end. And Paul is saying to Barnabas, faithfulness is an attribute of God. And he is faithful to us and expects us to be faithful in carrying out all that he has asked us to do. And you can follow that reasoning and say, of course, that's naturally exactly what we would expect. But Barnabas sees it from a slightly different perspective. And Barnabas says, now, hold on a minute. I know that John Mark didn't fulfill all that he promised he would and I know he's let you down but let's give him a second chance let's encourage him and watch him mature let's get alongside him as mentors and give him the tools he needs to grow intellectually educationally but also spiritually and let's pray for him Show him a model of leadership that involves being a mentor. And Paul says, no, we've given him a chance, and yet he walked away. Now, hold that picture for a minute, and come with me over here. 
And let's update the situation. Barnabas is saying, let's show grace. Let's extend kindness. Let's watch him grow. And I think most of us would say, yep, that's a reasonable approach. But let me paint it in a contemporary manner. If a close friend had borrowed $50, promised to pay it back, and then didn't, the next time they come and ask for a loan, would you be inclined to give them another $50? What would you say to a 20-year-old, a nephew, who borrowed your car, got into an accident and rose it off? The next time he asked to borrow the car, would you say, let's express kindness, let's be a mentor, let's say to him, yes, by all means, okay. What if, on the other hand, you have beach property that you rent once a year, and you couldn't go this year, and so you give it out to niece, nephew, son, daughter, who are in their 20s, they take friends for spring break, and it's not just the spring that broke, but other things around the house broke as well. Would you then be willing, if they asked to borrow the beach house this time next year, would you then say, of course? It's a tough issue. It's not as black and white as it might seem. Paul is focused on the mission. Paul is focused on getting the job done. He's focused on the detail of the second missionary journey, asking himself all that's involved. Can we trust John Mark when he let us down so badly? Paul is focused on the mission. But Barnabas is focused on the man. And he's asking, what impact will this have on John Mark? Can we encourage him? Is it a case of just saying, it's no big deal, the past is over, let's forget it. But that's where Paul's focus was. Barnabas has his focus on the future. And when discussions become heated, the words used often become like shrapnel. And they embed themselves in the heart and in the mind and they cause painful, significant wounds that sometimes fester, especially in a marriage, especially with our children or our parents, those whom we love the most. How do we work our way through those difficult situations? And what do we see in Paul and Barnabas that encouraged us. Can you imagine Barnabas saying to Paul, Paul, you're absolutely right. John Mark did let us down. But we made it anyway. And the first missionary journey was something of a success. And incidentally, Paul, please remember that in giving him a second chance... It will be a reflection that God himself gave you a second chance on the road to Damascus. 
Paul, please remember who you were. Remember the man you once were. You were a man terrorizing Christians, locking them up, persecuting them. You stood there at the death of Stephen, giving your blessing. And yet the risen Christ gave you a second chance. Did he not touch you heart and mind and soul? Did he not transform you? Did he not give to you his Holy Spirit to live within and draw you into a relationship with himself? Can you not extend a second chance to John Mark? And remember, this is Paul. Great evangelist to the Gentiles, missionary leader, leader supreme, a man who received more of the revelations from God in order, in terms of writing the scripture than anyone else. A man who wrote, love is patient. Love is kind. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And yet here he is. In the raw reality of living out his faith, saying to Barnabas, no, we can't take him. And Barnabas is going in the other direction. So how would we respond in a similar situation? How do we do it in our own families? Well, think for a moment. There's a very practical approach when it comes to these issues. And some of us, when we hear the word compromise, bristle a little and think, I'm not going to compromise. Was there any great doctrinal issue at the heart of this, the very essence of the faith? No, because those are issues we should never compromise on. But it was more to do with personality and opportunity. And could it be that Barnabas and Paul could have said to each other, well, let's step back a second. Let's take the heat out of the situation. And Paul say, Barnabas, now tell me again what you're thinking. Allow me to listen and listen closely. Allow me to see if we can come up with a solution. And whenever you find yourself in a very difficult, tense situation where hard words have been said, wounds have been opened, and there's a lot of hurt, it's helpful to remember this principle. Deal with the issue rather than attack the person. I would have to tell you that in my marital counseling sessions, when husbands and wives come to see me and there's tension and difficult in a marriage, they are firebombing each other rather than deal with the issue of the mortgage or school or car payments. Because those were the presenting issues, but in fact, it ended up with character assassination. She never listens to me. He always puts me down. Rather than dealing with the issue, step back, prayerfully, carefully, a deep breath, and say, now, this is what I'm he hearing you say. Is that accurate? Act of listening makes an enormous difference. 
If you can compromise within Christian standards and values, that's not a bad thing. Because you're extending love, a second chance, grace. That's who we're called to be. Maybe in their discussion, Paul could have said, now, okay, you know how disappointed I was in John Mark. You know how much that hurt me. Perhaps in giving him a second chance, let's take it step by step. Let's suggest to John Mark he can organize our itinerary. Let's suggest to John Mark, while we're still here, he can lay out for us what the travel arrangements are. Booking passages on boats, churches we will visit. Give him some responsibility while we're still here in Antioch and see if he measures up. Let's put him on probation. Tell him how disappointed we were. Give him some guidelines and call him to account. Let's see how he does. Could they have said, let's take two or three others with us. And if John Mark falls by the wayside a second time, the others will be there to step in. Could they have said, John Mark, let's give you some small tests, see how you do. And if you pass in flying colors, then, then you can come with us. Folks, be careful when we find ourselves in tense emotional situations that it doesn't always become black and white. Now, some issues are. But other issues, there is room for prayerful, careful, loving, gracious negotiations. Listening and prayerfully commit yourself to working it out. Slamming down the phone in the middle of a conversation usually doesn't achieve much. Walking away usually doesn't achieve much. Be committed, be determined to work it through. And here's an interesting thing for you. In all of Paul's writings after this moment, never does he show disrespect to Barnabas. Never. He doesn't say to others, well, you know what he did to me? Let me tell you about Barnabas. He never does that. And here we see God at work in the life of these two great men who are godly, sincere, seeking to serve Christ day by day, and yet he's refining them. He's dealing with their issues, and he's enabling them to grow in grace and in love. And the other point worth mentioning as we draw all of this to a conclusion is this. That in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 11 to 12, at the end of the Apostle Paul's life, this is his final epistle. He's languishing in prison, about to be executed, and he writes, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark, that's John Mark, same person. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. And so we see at the end of his life, Paul and John Mark had become good and fast friends. The past was put in the past. They worked through their issues. They talked about it. They lived out their faith, determining that pain should not linger for years. Please hear me when I say this. 
Three lessons to take away. Number one, our past mistakes do not define our future. Past mistakes do not define our future. We see it in John Mark and Paul's relationship eventually. And incidentally, the John Mark we're talking about is the author of Mark's gospel. John Mark himself became a hero in the faith. An outstanding individual. But he learned and he matured in his faith as God's refining hand was at work. So number one, our past mistakes do not define our future. Only the love and grace of God does that. Secondly, if you mess up and mess up badly, never give in to the belief that you cannot become whom God is calling you to be. Because with God there is a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and a fifth chance and a sixth chance. And I would have to tell you with my hand and my heart, I'm so grateful he does that. And I suspect you know that experience as well. So number one, your past does not determine your future. Number two, if you mess up, similarly, your mistakes don't determine who you're becoming. And very practically, as you go home later this morning, I wonder if there's someone in your life or in your family or a colleague at work, someone in your neighborhood that you need to reconnect with and say, I don't know what I was thinking. I was such a jerk. Please forgive me. Or perhaps you have been on the receiving end. Hurted and wounded badly. And you are nurturing and nourishing the hurt and the resentment and the bitterness by not forgiving someone. We began this morning by saying that the scriptures speak into our lives. And they do in very real and genuine ways. And prayerfully, carefully. This week, think through the relationships with daughters, sons, parents, spouse. Begin to make amends as Christ begins to refine us and shape us and call us to be the people he expects us to be. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this passage of scripture this morning. Thank you that it speaks into our lives. And thank you that on a Sunday morning when we open up your word, you consistently do exactly that. Shaping us and refining us and calling us to be more like Christ. Help us, Father, to see in this very practical passage what it means to put others first and ourselves last. Thank you that moment by moment you hold us in the palm of your hand. And may this week be a week when we grow more like Christ by applying your word to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.